Oh, y'all heard that great country theologian? Can y'all hear me? The great country theologian, not as good as I once was, but I was good once. Yeah, you know, you get to that thing. There's wisdom in age, isn't there? Oh, yeah. Some of you are like, I don't know. There's wisdom in age, right? Or at least hopefully you've learned something and you don't want to repeat it. Cars 3, Lightning McQueen, he's been doing this for a while now. As a matter of fact, the first time I saw the original Cars, like Landon was like two. And so it was his first movie experience, and it, so it's been at least 10 years since the original deal. So his, his time is up. How many of you feel like your time is up? A couple of you. No, no, it's just beginning. Listen, you've lived life, and sometimes we have great experiences. Sometimes we have car wrecks. But you learn just as much from the car wrecks as you do from the victories. And what I want you to gather this morning is God is not done with us yet. God is not done with you yet. And the one thing that I love about cars is whenever life happens to lightning, lightning kind of gets full of himself and he thinks, man, I've got it. I've had some victories. It's finally me and I'm, I'm here in charge. I'm large and in charge. Everything's perfect. Something goes wrong. And what does he do? He runs back to his community. He runs back to those that he knows, that know him. He goes back to the crazy old dude, Mater, you know, and Mater, as crazy as is, he's got some wisdom, Right. And so you got a crazy uncle or crazy aunt and you go running back to the community that you know because they know you best and they know where you need to go. And they set your eyes, they set your feet in the right place so you can move forward in your life, move forward in your walk. And so this morning we're going to be looking at several different verses, but we're going to camp in Philippians chapter 2. God on film. Because life happens whenever we watch movies, there's all kinds of different messages. And one of the things that, that we do in our family, and I want you to be begin to do if you're not doing it is everything that you take in whether it's a movie or whether it's music begin to ask the question what are they trying to tell me what is the message that they're trying to give to me because i want us to understand that everything that we take in there's a message that's there and so for us as followers of jesus to filter that through the gospel to filter that through the good news of jesus christ and begin to see what are the principles that we can take from this learn from it and apply to our life or instill but also other times many times to say hey listen this isn't something that's a part of my life and i want to filter that out and begin to to make those decisions so if you have your bibles turn to philippians chapter 2 we'll get there in a second one of the things that drives Lightning McQueen is victory. He wants success. He's driven by that for that purpose and the meaning. And I know for me and for a lot of gentlemen, there's something that drives us to success. And we have this idea of what success is. And so whether it's a trophy, whether it's a certain job, whether it's a certain income figure, whether it's a certain truck or car, whatever it is, there's something that's driving us into that. And so Lightning McQueen, it's to be known and to be the most famous NASCAR car that there is and so even for ladies so there's something that drives you that gives us purpose and meaning and so here lightning is moving forward and all of a sudden it begins to crash because he looks around and he sees other people are being more successful than him or what he thinks is success what he has defined as success and so for all of us there's those moments in life where we begin to what was success we begin to kind of change your perspective begin to change your viewpoint and it's not about the cars or the houses or the income but you all of a sudden you have your first kid and it changes right you're like you know what i don't want to work as much i, I can give up a couple hundred extra bucks i can spend more time with my children and then all of a sudden you wake up and it's a few years later and you got grandkids 
And the things that you wouldn't buy for your own kids, now all of a sudden you're buying five of them for your grandkids. You got five, five trampolines without safety nets. I mean, you're just like, you go, we got a swimming pool. And so again, your perspective continually changes of what success is. And here, sometimes we get so successful, so busy doing life that we start to just look at ourselves and think about ourselves. And then all of a sudden life happens and we look around and we've kicked everyone out of our life that's important and valuable. And I think that we see that over and over again with Lightning McQueen is that every time he would get successful, he'd kind of build up and his friends would kind of go by the wayside because it wasn't about them, it was about himself until life happens. And every single time he'd run back to them and they'd be able to speak truth. Life can be lonely sometimes. You can even walk into a place like this with crowded of people, knowing some people, and you can even say, hey, how are you doing? I'm doing great. And in this place here, you can be sitting next to someone and still be the loneliest place in the world right here because you're not doing life and community. Really, no one knows you. One of the ideas in the New Testament, actually throughout the Scripture, but in particular in the New Testament, is this idea of what true fellowship is. It's a word It's called koinonia, fellowship, to do fellowship together. And this idea of koinonia has two things. One is that it's surrounded around a purpose and a meaning, and that purpose and that meaning is one that we know Christ. And so that the assumption is that as we gather here together on a Sunday morning, we gather in a life group, in a home, that we're gathering around the central purpose, number one, is that we know Christ and we're making him known. And so that we're establishing this relationship. We have a shared relationship together because of who Christ is in our heart. And that's the beginnings of the foundation of that koinonia fellowship. But there's also a, another part of that is that we also have a shared meaning and purpose beyond that is to love and to care for one another because when life happens, we have to support and encourage and to strengthen one another. And so I want us to, to get, get this idea of sharing life, that too many times we have church life and not church life. And if you've been a teenager and you grew up in the church, it's really easy to do that, to have your church life. You have your church friends where you do your good things and you do God things. And then you go to school on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and you kind of got this bipolar way of doing your Christian walk. And then we carry that into our adult life and we have silos. And so we've got our work life, we've got our family life, we've got our church life, we've got all this. And for whatever reason, we haven't have a shared life experience surrounded around the koinonia fellowship of Jesus where it influences every single part of our life. Because when we say yes to Jesus, it isn't just yes to Jesus for Sunday, it's yes to Jesus for everything. And so he's calling us together this shared experience, this shared purpose of fellowship that it influences everything of our life and that whenever we begin to get into life groups with people, when we begin to, to do life with one another, you begin to share the other parts of your life and it begins to transform every single silo of your life, every single area of your life, and it becomes one whole thing, which is what Christ wants. He wants to be number one at your work, wherever you're working. He wants to be number one in your relationship, whether you're married or you're dating. He wants to be number one everywhere you're at. He wants to be shared purpose and meaning of that he is influencing and transforming you on the inside and the outside of what it means and what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. But the best way to do that is to do life with someone else because whenever you do life with someone else, they get to know you and they get to know your strengths and your weaknesses and you begin to share, hey, here's who I, here's who I am. Here's my struggles, here's my thoughts, and here's where I'm going. And sometimes I take a wrong step and I need other people to share that life with me. That's what true fellowship is, is a life shared 
experience. I want to give you a couple of things to think about in a group. So whether you're in a Sunday morning group or midweek group, these are some characteristics, biblical characteristics of what it looks like to be in a shared life experience. And the first one is this, is that it should be an authentic group. In other words, there's no perfect people allowed, correct? So an authentic group is, if you'll pop up that next slide, authentic group is, is that you removing the masks. So I meet with a group of guys um, in the middle of the week, and so we talk, and we talk life, and we have a lot of, of laughter and, and um, joking and kidding around with each other. And then all of a sudden, it's like, okay, now it's down to business. And we literally open up our, we don't open up our Bibles. We pull out our uh, iPhones and Samsungs and Androids and begin looking through it. And through that, what's interesting to me is to see how these gentlemen, one, are loving banter and encouragement with one another, but then also the conversations that happen throughout the week off-site where, hey, two guys will get together and just begin to share, hey, here's where I'm at, here's what I'm struggling with, and to see the life where iron sharpens iron and men are saying, listen, I want to be a better husband, I want to be a better father, I want to be a better follower of Jesus, and that that's, again, that's building trust and this, the authenticity that it takes to say, listen, here's the real Chris, here's the real so-and-so, but that takes time and trust and it takes, takes food apparently. Um, for us to be able to do that and to kind of let that go. And so that's my challenge. I know that for so many of you, you want something more from your faith. You want something more from church. And listen, church happens here, but church even more happens when a group of guys and ladies get together and say, hey, listen, let's gather around and let's talk about life. Let's talk about how Scripture is relevant to my life and how it changes and shapes us. Okay? So if you're not in one, get in one. Authenticity. First John chapter 1. Um, says it this way. So if we have fellowship, this koinonia fellowship with God, but we continue living in darkness, we are liars and do not follow the truth. But if we live in the light as God is in the light, we can share koinonia fellowship with each other. In other words, true friends call each other out. But you got to do some life together. You got to experience together. You got to hang out and do some things together. So then in that moment, you can say, hey, dude. I saw how you talked to your wife, and that's not how you're we're supposed to be doing that, or whatever those situations are. Or how are you doing? You're, you're in the midst of this. How are you doing? How can I help you? How can I encourage you? Authentic relationships. Talk about your hurts. Talk about your failures. Talk about your victories. Talk about your plans. And to know that there's men and women that are for you, for you, but you have to be authentic. The other thing about groups and fellowship, true fellowship is one that is authentic but it's also mutual mutualistic that you have this this bond that there's an encouragement that there's a sharing there's a a working together in first corinthians chapter 12 it says there should be no division in the body but that its parts should have equal concern for each other in other words there's this, this idea in scripture that no one is more important in the body than the other person and i know that sometimes we come in and we think hey Pastor Chris is the most important person in the church. As a matter of fact, I'm not. I'm the lead servant. That's my responsibility. I'm the lead shepherd. I'm the one that has the most responsibility for shepherding and serving and that I should be the model for what it means to serve. I'm the low man on the totem pole as far as I'm the one serving you so that you can be equipped, so that you can be out serving and doing what you're called to be doing. It's not about who's the head, who's the charge, but about us mutually growing together, this idea of serving and encouragement 
and also accountability. Something that has a tendency to be lost today is us being accountable to one another because, again, authenticity is a part of this. Whenever you're authentic and you're honest, there's what you're asking for is accountability. And so as the New Testament talks about it, each one of us that are followers of Jesus, that have said yes to Jesus, we are now priests within the kingdom of God. You don't have to come to me for confession of your sins. I'm not going to wipe out your sins. Christ has already done that. We are now priests to one another. And so when is the last time that we've gone to someone and said, hey, listen, you're a priest, I'm a priest, but I need to, I need to share this with someone. Because there is there's something cathartic, there's something about us confessing our sins one to another, as the Scripture says. And so you don't want to confess your sins to just anybody. Am I right? Here, let's come up here. i got a microphone. We'll do that. We'll go around. We're not going to do that. But there's a scriptural idea of like, listen, as we do life together, you can get to that place of saying, listen, this is the deep, dark stuff because the power of the good news, the power of the gospel, the power of the idea of that each one of us are priests in the kingdom of God is that as we get to know one another, we can share the deep, dark stuff of us and it removes that shame that we've been carrying around. It removes that regret the regret we've been carrying around, and we truly can confess to one another and have freedom and have victory from things that we've been holding on since childhood. Some of you had crazy life experience that has nothing to do with you, and you just need some freedom, and you just need, it's not even confessing sins, you're just confessing, hey, here's where I'm at, and here's what I need you to know about me. Because there's then freedom of you walk into a place like this, and someone not only knows your name, they know you. And as scary as that is, there's also freedom in being known for who you truly are. Someone needs to know you. That's the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's to know that you're doing shared life with someone and you've been authentic. And it's a mutual brotherhood. It's a mutual sisterhood. It's a mutual family of we've got each other back, each other's back. We're standing together and there's power in us doing family together. Now, here's the other part of that is sometimes family are the one that hurt the most, right? It cuts deepest, but it's worth it. It's worth it the risk to get in and that's where the trust builds up and you begin to say listen get to that place here's who i am here's where i'm at i'm gonna be authentic in this moment and i need someone i need to confess who i am or what's happened and the, the beauty and the freedom and the victory that comes from that romans chapter 1 verse 12 says that is that you and i may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith listen some of you have powerful stories of what God's brought you through. I think that's one of the, again, I think a missing element in today's church, even here, is we don't share enough testimony of what God's done in you, through you, and what He's in the midst of. One, so we can be encouraged, but also so we can surround and support. And so one of the things that I ask of you, I don't know all of your stories, but I would love to hear your story, not so I can have something against you, But I want an opportunity to say, listen, you have something that we need to hear. We have something that you need to share to be encouraged. Because, again, what the New Testament tells us is that God doesn't walk us through anything just because. He walks us through things so that we can be able to share and encourage each other, so that we can be a brother and a sister to others and hold each other up in their faith. Authentic, 
mutual, sympathetic, entering into and sharing other people's pains, the ability to, to meet. And there's something, I love that picture, because there's beauty in the innocence of a child. That in that moment, it's, he's hurt, whatever it is. And a sister or friend comes alongside and just like, I, I don't know how to fix it, but I want to be here. You know what? Sometimes we have friends that are hurt and we, we try to find the right words. You know, someone's passed away or some situation's happened and we feel like, hey, to, to minister, to, to do something, we've got to have the right words to say. And honestly, 99.9% of the times what I've learned is I don't need to say anything. I just need to be there. The power in the ministry of presence, to sympathize, to get in and to truly try to walk in their shoes, and there's no way that many of us can walk in the shoes of other people, but but to be in there and just say, listen, I don't understand the fullness of this, but I want to be present with you in this. Job, chapter 4, you know, Job went through quite a bit of mess, and his friends were great friends. They were giving him all kinds of advice, trying to tell him all kinds of things, whenever really what Job needed was just presence. And so here's what one of Job's friends said. Think how many you've instructed how you have strengthened feeble hands. Click over one more. But now trouble comes to you and you're discouraged. It strikes you and you're dismayed. It's this idea of that trouble has come and all this, and so that his friends, whenever trouble and discouragement came, his friends came and they surrounded him in the power of presence for Job. To be authentic, to be mutual, to be sympathetic, and then finally to be merciful. A place of forgiveness. Sometimes we, we truly need forgiveness, and you need to find a place to do that. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, it says, You ought to forgive and comfort him, so that he will not be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. I urge you, therefore, to reaffirm your love for him. The idea that whenever we're doing life, shared experiences, that there's going to be those moments that we need to offer forgiveness. And as a part of that offering forgiveness is the reaffirmation of love. The reaffirmation of love. So what does it mean for us to do? What's, what's the purpose of us getting in a life group and having this life shared experiences? As disciples of Jesus, it's to stand back to back and to do life so that we gather together and we do our life group on Sunday or during the week and it encourages us, it supports us, and it really is a centrifuge for the rest of the week. So when you leave that group, you're challenged, so you can go to work, you can go to school, you can go wherever you're going to go, go to a difficult whatever, and be strengthened by to Listen, I know that this guy or these guys or these women have my back and have surrounding support and comfort. Look in Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 and 13. This is a powerful passage of Paul, and he's talking to the church, and the church in Philippi is is a strong church, and they're an encouraging church. And so Paul is stepping away, has stepped away from the church in Philippi, and so he's talking to them, and he's sharing. He says, listen, continue to work out your salvation. And so there's this part of the salvation, there's this part of the good news, the gospel, that we take part in, that we actively have to participate in. So that means there's things that we should be doing. And we, I, I've got a series coming up in the fall that we're going to talk about the spiritual habits and disciplines. And so the spiritual habits of discipline, are you spending regular time in the Word? Are you opening it up and learning from Are you spending some time in prayer? Are you 
serving? Are you in a group? Are you giving generously and growing in your generosity? And even, even today, I had a new members class. And one of the things that I tell in the new members class, listen, here's what we expect because it's biblical as far as members go. And one of the last things that is we want you to go on mission. So when you leave church today, go get your passport filled out because I want you to be going. And that's a part of moving and going. So there's this working out of work. Now, I've talked about this, that I have a, I've bought P90X. Y'all know what P90X is, right? Dude, I P90X, inside and out. Me and Tony Horton, we're good friends. Here's the deal. I've watched the videos. <laughs> and I did half a workout. I was like, this is hard stuff. I was like, I, now I know why he looks good. And then they had the eating plan. And I was like, I don't know if I can even do the eating plan. So my workout is still in the box. It moved from Denver to here. It's somewhere in a storage room, nice and packed, with some weights and some workout clothes and a yoga mat. <laughs> now, you laugh because you've been there. And you understand that if, I, if we don't work out, we're not going to develop, we're not going to have the fitness level that we want in life. And the same is true with our spiritual life. Many of us, our P90X is packed up. And we're not working it out. We're not meeting with friends. We're not sharing our faith. We're not opening up the Word. We're not developing the muscles that we need to. And so we're surprised when life hits us and we don't have the depth of friendships and relationships that we need. Because we haven't been working it out through how we need to do it. In the way, that's what the church family is for. This is what this is for. It's for you to develop relationships and friendships. The f- my favorite thing as a pastor is to hear a few days later that a group, a family group, a life group, a Sunday school class has ministered to someone in their class. Something's gone on, and I get to hear about it second and third hand because their group has loved on them and cared for them, and they didn't even need to call me to help because they're like we're his we're their family we're the and that's what the church should look like whenever there's whenever there's a cancer whenever there's an illness the body naturally goes to it and attacks it and tries to bring health to it and that's what life groups are about listen be all over the county be all over the state of texas doing groups we're going to gather on sundays but whenever stuff happens call your life group and see them attack it and to join you and to support you and encourage you that is the working out the habit of obedience, bringing your life under authority. Because this is what happens. This is, this is difficult, especially for guys, is that when we get into a group and we begin to, to do life together, share life experiences, and then we get to that place of saying, okay, I'm going to step out in faith and I'm going to share a little bit more and remove one of our masks and share a little bit more in-depth about who I am. We're at that moment, we're submitting our life to the authority of these other people. Because they now know something about us that they can hold over us. And so the, the beauty is that they don't or shouldn't. But we're submitting to their authority in a, such a way that we're saying, listen, in this I need you to hold me accountable and to help me to spur me on to good deeds. Not to hold me back, but to spur me on. And that's what the working out of our habits and obedience, and what it means to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Not a fear like, but a reverence for who God is, and that if He's a holy God, I want to be working out what it means for me to be holy in my life. 
Also, the second part of that is to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, for God works in. So there's this outer working out and this inner working in where he transformed. Literally, energy comes from this, that God works out, works in us. The energy of God transforms us from the inside in. Now, I look at Facebook, and several of you are changing how you eat. And so when you change how you eat, what are you trying to do? You're trying to change what goes in because you're trying to transform the inside so it will change the outside. And so this is that same idea of, listen, as God has taken residence with inside of us, whenever we say yes to Jesus, there's a deposit of the Holy Spirit. So we are now the temple of God, and he's taken residence with inside of us. And the more that we get into the habit of saying yes to the Holy Spirit and less to us, there's this energy, this momentum that continues to build. And so there's this transformation that takes place on the inside. And now the things that we crave are different. So, you know, when you first eat a raw tomato, it may not taste good, but you keep going after it because you know that's what you need. Those are the nutrients that you need to take. And when you're in a a life group and you have people accountable, they're saying, hey, listen, pass on the French fries, get tomatoes. And you begin to take tomatoes. And then one day, French fries come up and you're like, man, I don't even want those with ketchup because I don't have a desire for those. I don't have a taste for those. I only want raw tomatoes because on the inside the energy you're being transformed and your taste buds don't even crave that stuff anymore it now only craves the things that are holy and righteous and are good god is working on the outside and working on the inside and one of the things that i love about this that paul doesn't even say that we work out for working in working out but we're not working for because our salvation is free we're not working for our salvation It's already been bought and paid for through Christ. God is working out in us and in us, but we're not working out for our salvation. And I love the fact that salvation is free, but because it's free, because we're amazed by his grace, it spurs us and moves us and gives us energy because we're so amazed. The longer that we are with Christ, the more we are amazed that he would love someone like us as we get to know even the depths of our sin. G.K. Chesterton, an old theologian, that's some great saying, some great stuff, and this is one of my favorites. I think this just nails it on the head. Christianity has not so much been tried and found wanting as it's been found difficult and not tried. All of us have probably been at place. Sunday morning, Christianity is easy. Monday morning, not so much. And that's why... I think several reasons. This is our workout manual, but we don't spend much time with it. Because every time we look at it, we look in the mirror, it's mirroring back to us, and we're like, man, I got some, got some flab. I got some stuff I need to work on. And so instead, we just kind of do like I do my P90X and say, ah, I think I'll come up with another way. I'll be a better husband. I'll be a better dad. I'll be a better boss. I'll be... I'll find way. I'll do gooder. And God's saying, listen, I want to transform the outside by working on the inside. And it's hard work. And sometimes it's uncomfortable. Sometimes it hurts. You know what? I've lifted weights once. And you know what happened the next day? I was sore. Like somebody came up and they're like, hey, Chris. And I'm like, oh, It was almost debilitating. Guess what else? You know what was the next day? 
I was even, I know this is not good English, but it was even sorer. And so I was like, you know what? The clue is to not do it. When in reality, the clue is keep doing it. Develop the habit. Because in the pain, in the soreness, in the discomfort, there's growth. If you want to grow your muscles, you have to keep working them out and continue to lift more and more and to do different things to, to confuse your muscles. And there's times that God does something and it's confusing to us, but he's working it out. He's developing us. He's shaping us, making us look and taste, taste the things and desire the things that he wants for us. Christianity is not easy. It's hard stuff. So here's my challenge. Be like Lightning McQueen. Find you a group. Look for your mater. The guy, he's unabashed. He will say the truth. Right? And that's what all of us need is people in our lives that we will do life with and they'll be able to tell us the truth that you can gather around and say, listen, you're not what you once was. But that's a good thing. Do community. Do life. Be challenged. Take your P90X out and get to work with other people. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for community. I know the power that it's had in my life since eighth grade Sunday school teacher created community. And since that time, I've understood and wanted and desired. And you've provided time and time again community. Men that I can do, families that we can do life with and we can laugh and we can cry and walk through deep stuff together. The 2 a.m. calls that, Father, that it, there's a cancer, there's a, there's a hurt and everyone in that community does just run to support and say, we're going to hold you up and support you in this and walk through this with you. And I know that so many in this room and so many that are part of this place, they want something more out of their faith than just Sunday morning. They want life transformation. And Father, so much of that happens in a group of people saying, listen, we're going to fight together. We're going to laugh together. We're going to cry together. And you are worth the investment, my friend. But that requires the working out of us of just trusting and a revealing and being authentic and honest. But it's so worth it. Are we going to be hurt? Yes, Father, we're going to be hurt. But it's worth it. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen.